0: Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5 The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams.
1: Folks, welcome again. To the Pat Williams Saturday Power. I can't tell you how happy I'm to be back here. We're we're safe. We're healthy. I hope you are. And uh, so glad you're plugged in here to the new AM990 and FM 101.5 the word. Alan Dempsey is with us. That's the best news of all. The the ace engineer. Uh Andrew Herdliska, sets this show up for us. He's the producer. Angie Ward is our first guest. She's in Denver, recently moved there. Her book, I Am a Leader, When Women Discover the Joy of Their Calling. Angie, welcome. Hope you're uh, Thank you. happy, excited to be uh, talking to everybody here in Central Florida.
2: I am, yes. Thanks for having
1: me. Uh, you, you said you're recently moved to Denver. What's the background there?
2: Uh, we were in Indianapolis, my husband's a pastor, and I've been in uh, ministry. Uh, we've been a number of stops from uh, when we first, after graduating from Denver Seminary, and so now we're, we are empty nesters and actually came back to where it all began. So most recently in Indianapolis for eight years, but uh, stops before that in North Carolina and uh, Minnesota as well.
1: Angie, um, I want to just start off by saying or asking you, what is a calling
2: Mm, great question. Since I wrote a book about it, I should, should know a little bit. Um, I say um, it's, it's a uh, God-given kind of uh, uh, impact in a voice about your life's direction. And so um, it's something that, like, it comes from God, but it's this deeply rooted kind of sense. Uh, it may be some people have heard kind of uh, like what they feel is a voice or clear kind of impression type of thing, but but uh, it's about your life's direction so it's a rooted thing that has the, the potential to change the course of your
1: life. How do you discern a call?
2: Own experience and how did I hear God, you know, when did I when was it God and not just last night's, you know, leftover pizza, you know, that I had an indigestion type of thing. And so I think God uses a number of ways. Uh, he can use things that are kind uh, of natural means, um uh, other people kind of calling out stuff in you and and your own passions and ways that you you feel alive like um, Eric Little in Church of Fire he says when I run I feel God's pleasure so you, there's a sense of like this is what I was made for but he can also use still use supernatural means you know I I know people who have had some sort of dream or even a vision or um, just just a sense of uh, um, you know, God's kind of, the Holy Spirit kind of whispering or nudging them towards something. Obviously, he also uh, clearly uses, God uses his words through scripture in the Bible, things that may speak to us, um, speaking to us in community. So there's a lot, of, there's really no one size fits all. And it's important for us to each learn, like, how do I hear and discern God's voice versus all the voices um, that are maybe talking around us or telling us what to do, or should or should not do, including our own doubts.
1: Uh, my guest is Angie Ward from Denver. Uh, the book is called I Am a Leader. We're talking about the interesting word calling. Now, Angie, we move to the next topic. It's called Calling an Authority. Uh, tell us yeah. more. Tell us about that.
2: Well, so this book is written for uh, women who feel some sort of uh, call or nudge toward ministry, what I say broadly defined, which is uh, just. Become of joining God in His work in the world, and that can take a variety of forms. But women leaders in ministry contexts, in particular in the church, they they get, like I said, they get a lot of voices, shoulds and should nots, and it's um, a lot of times framed in terms of permission: uh, is a woman allowed to do these things? You know, can a woman do this? And and that's been a broader cultural conversation as well. And so. Um When I talk about authority, i say let 's reframe this conversation instead of permission giving, which is a power kind of thing. I have power i 'm giving you some, you know, and we view power as a zero sum game, like if I give you some, then I automatically lose some but well, let 's broaden that out to um principles of accountability and stewardship and community, which I think are the broader principles besides the can I yes or no type of thing. Um, and each of us has been given gifts, and um, God inviting us to join him in his, work in, the, in his work in the world, and we're accountable for what we do with those gifts, with that calling. Um, if we are leaders of others, we are stewards and responsible and accountable for how we steward and utilize the gifts and callings of the people we've been entrusted with, and all of that happens in community, um, which is a, a clear concept we see in Scripture about just uh, um, faith is not a solo sport. Christianity is not a solo sport, and so um, I shift the conversation and say, "Okay, let's talk about this uh, and level the playing field a bit—not not in terms of the permission and the can and can't and the power and um, that type of thing—but but, but um, you're ultimately we're ultimately responsible to God, and so um, He gives us that authority. And then the reality is that it's lived out in human systems, which. Every human system has its flaws. But so what does that look like for me personally depending on what situation you're in?
1: Okay, we have covered uh, discerning a call, calling an authority. Now here's an interesting topic you write about, calling in marriage. Yeah. Uh, yes. Tell us more.
2: Yeah well um, as I'm sure you know just in your your journey uh, throughout you know life and leadership and all the different positions you've held and and you know all of us like um, if we're in uh, a marriage relationship what we do affects our spouse our partner and what my husband does affects you know me and so so there's I think unique challenges for women leaders as and especially in the kind of ministry context but but really it affects both of us, and how do you navigate those, you know, I, I write about how do you navigate those things. So, for example, I uh, speak with a woman who felt very burdened, and I would say she felt probably called just really deeply burdened for to be a foster parent. But her husband wasn't, was like, mm, not on board yet. You know, maybe someday he had some own, his own concerns and some fears, and she had fears as well. I mean, that's a it's a potentially big, big thing you're doing to commit your life to that. And, and, um you know, and so, how do you both follow God's call and be together in marriage and unified in doing that and talking about that? And again, there's no one size fits all. There's, you know, and there's a lot of times not easy answers. You know, not, we moved to Denver for me to take a position uh, with an uh, educational institution. Before that, we moved around the country in a couple of different places, largely for my husband's job. You know, and so we've had to have those com- those conversations, those hard and deep conversations, as we kind of navigate together. How can we be faithful together? And what I found is that um, if we're both seeking God for direction for our life, He's not going to give us. Um, he's not going to tear our marriage apart and and to call us to different things. You know, when, when we get to heaven someday, God's not going to say, man, you really messed up your marriage or, or you know, um, your family, but boy, you really, that was a great book you wrote, you know, or that's a great speaking ministry. And um, so I'm talking about what, you know, your marriage is really your first calling and first priority, if, if that is your context. And then what do you do with, with that from any other calling after that?
1: My guest is, <clears throat> is Angie Ward. Uh, she is in Denver. Uh, Her book is out, I Am a Leader. By the way, Angie, why is there so much being talked about these days about women and leadership? What's going on out there?
2: Well, as as we all know, I mean, it's just a... Um, the, con- the discussion about power, and especially with the Me Too movement, um, and, and so that's you know now several years ago, but then that led to the kind of hashtag church too, and just realizing that these, these conversations about power and authority and um, uh, freedom and what's a woman's role, it's just been a forefront of conversation for the last several years. And I actually started writing this book before all of that kind of blew up, and and so it just happened to land kind of in the middle of this timely, you know, conversation. And um, so there's just been a renewed conversation nationally, really globally, about uh, women's rights, women's uh, responsibilities, women's roles. And uh, this takes to frame that more in uh, the context of church and ministry.
1: We've got another segment with Angie Ward. <clears throat> just a reminder, uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando. Angie Ward, author of I Am a Leader, Uh, we're back with her. But first, these messages.
0: More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. The Word now here's pat i'm pat williams
1: angie ward is our guest the author of i am a leader angie we've talked about uh, discerning a call and calling in authority calling in marriage uh, the next topic i want you to explain to us calling in seasons of life uh, what does that mean
2: yes yeah. yeah well all of us go through different seasons of life i think uh You know, we, we think when we're younger, you know, younger men and women that, um, you know, that'll, we'll have that same level of, uh, energy and opportunity and not as much, not as much money perhaps or whatever. And, but the reality, you know, seasons of life affect how we live out whatever our particular God given calling is. You know, I, what I, I'm now an empty or open nester. I've got two kids in college. Um, my, time, availability, my overall experience and wisdom is much greater, hopefully, than uh, what it was when I was, you know, 23, 24, 25, when I had lots of ideas and energy, but not as much uh, experience. But um, so our seasons of life just impact that. and, And so there's things we can do in our 20s and our 30s that um, we can't do when we're 50, 60, 70, but there's also things I can do in 50, 60, 70 that I couldn't do when I was, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s. And so I just go through different seasons of life and say, here's the unique gifts you have from this season of life, and here's some of the challenges you may be experiencing. You know, some also have kind of a concurrent season of parenting, which obviously takes a lot of time and energy, can impact Um, you know, just availability, opportunity, um, wrestling with that, how that works together. And, but, you know, God can use anybody at any age. And so there's, there's, in, you know, God's view, there's no like season where, okay, I'm done with you now. You know, God can use people who are 60, 70, 80, 90, and we need those mentors and that wisdom in the game, in the conversation, um, in the world, in ministry, joining God's work in the world. And we also need the energy of, you know teenagers and young adults and um young young people you know men and women kind of finding their way and learning and um bringing their great energy and enthusiasm and ideas
1: now uh, the next topic you write about calling and money what's up
2: yes <laughs> Well, my husband and I, uh, we suggest that we um, didn't go into ministry for the money, and so far that's worked really well for us. <laughs> so for a lot of lot of people who are, uh, you know, in ministry, especially vocational ministry, or just trying to follow God's call, even, you know, adoption, foster parenting, uh, involvement in different uh, justice causes, that type of thing, um, they are not uh, necessarily highly... So what is the line between stepping out in what we think is faith and where is it foolishness? You know, for example, I work at um, a seminary, a, a higher education, and so, you know, I talk to students who, go, is it wrong to take out, or is it wise? Is it God's provision to take out a student loan, you know, or is that something that's going to hamper them down the road with debt, you know, and can debt be a helpful thing, or is it always a bad thing? Um, again, where's the line between stepping out of faith and foolishness? How much do you, you know with a lot of things we think we need as far as our own comfort or you know a fully funded 401k that type of thing you know what what does God say about are we you know provision and and um you know what if we step out in faith again where is that line for that and again and this is a theme you know there's no one size fits all there's not easy answers but But I've just seen in my own life, and with my husband, God's provided in um, surprising, sometimes I would say even miraculous ways. People have, you know, and I know others who have a net financial need. But it's just a very real concern that sometimes you, I, you know, I feel like, for example, I have a young couple I've worked with that they they felt like they want maybe would go to the mission field to another country or do some urban inner city work, but they have some debt and stuff they need to take care of, and so that's a way that the money. Their money situation, you know, we need it to live It's a necessary part of life, some would say necessary evil, but it affects our freedom and flexibility and what we can do and not do um, as we follow God's call.
1: Angie, I want you to uh, talk to us about uh, an important topic towards the end of your book. Uh, the book, by the way, is called I Am a Leader. Angie Ward is the author. The topic, Angie, calling and challenges. Uh, tell, us, yes. uh, tell us about that.
2: Yeah, I think we glamorize you know, this idea of calling sometimes, and we think, man, and we, and we get this energy, and wow, I'm going to do great things, or God's calling me to do this, and it's so clear we hear that, and um, sometimes we get surprised or sidetracked by challenges, anything from, you know, is it a, like a roadblock, things weren't as smooth as we, uh, you know, as they're supposed to be, or sometimes even, like, we we feel like we are like, clearly open doors, um, moved in our lives, uh, we We go someplace, we do something, and then it falls apart. Like my husband and I were at a a church, a pastor a church, that we ended up having to close. And it was just a very hard and painful time. And we, so did we mishear God or, um, you know, what happened during that season? We have seasons of doubt and discouragement and spiritual dry seasons each of us have. And uh, so, you know, and all these challenges, like Jesus never promises an easy road. He says we're going to have challenges. But then how do we respond to them and, and is an obstacle, is that a, like a closed door that we need to turn around or is that something we need to overcome? And, how, you know, again, we need to just be walking closely with God and, and go, what's the next thing here? And what can we learn? You know, what do we need to forgive? How do we learn from things? How do we grow and move on? Because ultimately, I believe um, that um, God is always at work and He never wastes anything. And he also wants us more than, like, who we are and to shape us in his image more than what we can do for him. And we focus a lot of times on the obstacles, on the doing, and realizing sometimes that's God's just saying, I need you to sit here for a bit, you know. Um, maybe not 40 years like Moses in the wilderness, but we have these wilderness or difficult seasons where it's just a chance for us to grow deeper and um, more firmly rooted in our faith.
1: Your book ends with one word. It's a chapter. It's just called Benediction. Uh, what does that mean?
2: Yeah, I, I felt like after talking through all these different issues, as, as you mentioned, you know, money and challenges and seasons of life and uh, you know, marriage and uh, authority, that I just wanted to give like a blessing to those who are reading. And so um, I, uh, you know, just in that chapter, just kind of said to those of you who are you know, questioning or wondering, kind of call back the themes of different chapters in the book. You know, may you, you know, hear God's Spirit clearly, may you be filled with joy, you know, may you be encouraged, um, may you rest, you know, in, with with peace and, and, and confidence. And just wanted to send people like that, folks, we are in this together. We need each other. Um, you know, you are unique, and yet you are not alone in this. And I actually close with a um, a benediction, which was by Richard Halverson, who used to be chaplain, former chaplain of the mm-hmm. U.S. Senate. And um, and this, you it know, talks about that, like, God puts you there for—you like, go nowhere by accident, you know. And God has placed you where you are right now for a particular purpose, you know, and to rest in that and go forward again with kind of confidence and joy.
1: Uh, what do you want people to take from this book, Angie? How do you put shoe leather to all this?
2: Yes, yeah, shoe leather is a great term. Yeah, uh, I I think I want them, you know, like I said, I want them to be confident. I want them to realize they're, you know, everybody who reads it, they're they're unique. They're and yet at the same time there's a commonality to a lot of, ex, you know, women's experience, and um, for men to understand too what it's like to be um, a, a leader in female shoes. I'm a shoe leather and. And um, so just to gain a greater appreciation for God's work in the world and in their lives and to then step into that for what that looks like in their unique situation and to take the next step for that.
1: What um, prompts you to write?
2: I am prompted to write, well, I was prompted to write this book, just trying to kind of reflecting on my own journey um, as I've reached the half century mark and, and working with a lot of, uh, you know, young adults and other leaders, uh, male and female. And, and uh, I wanted to kind of, I wanted to learn, but also then share my learning um, about this topic. And so ultimately, I think I'm a teacher at heart and I just um, want to help people grow and learn. And my writing is one way of doing that.
1: What is the spiritual climate in Denver?
2: Great question. I am still getting to know it. I would have been, you know, ministry now a lot of places, Midwest and Southeast. Um, I would say Denver is very, um, I mean, our country is but very individualistic. You've got this kind of pioneer spirit. Um, the churches and uh, ministries out here are pretty united, um, and there's a lot of collaboration, more than I've seen in other parts of the country. Partly because Denver's, I mean, that's it for eight hours really in any direction before another big city. And so they've had to kind of unite. And again, kind of this pioneering spirit, we've got to work together to survive type of thing. But at the same time, um, you know, those who are unchurched or non-religious, I mean, no interest. It's not a, there's not a cultural Christianity at all that I've seen in some parts of the Midwest and certainly in the Southeast. And so I'm, I'm definitely still learning. And we moved here. I moved here during the virus. You know, churches have been closed, so, you know, you can visit stuff online. But I'm just now starting to have more and more conversations to get the feel of the landscape here.
1: And on that same basis, what was the spiritual climate in Indianapolis like?
2: Yeah, Indianapolis, um, there was definitely, at least the community we lived in, there was a bit more of a cultural Christianity. It was very church. I tell people that the the uh, schools that my kids went to, they were public schools, but they were the most Christian public schools I'd ever been a part of, you know, very, people were very free and open to talk about faith teachers and praying and, you know, in extracurriculars and that type of thing. And, um, but I know that wasn't the, you know, the climate of all of Indianapolis, which is where we were and, uh, the northern part of the state near around Chicago. Uh, but there was still vestiges of kind of that cultural Christianity church was still you know, kind of the standard instead of non non church, non faith, non participation being the
1: standard. Tell me about your husband.
2: Yeah, he's a great great guy. We um are actually huge fans of yours because we're huge college basketball fans. He's a North Carolina Tar Heel alone. And we met on the, yeah, we met on the basketball court. I'm a Tar Heel wed. Um, and uh, we met on the basketball court when we were in graduate school. And um, so we actually went to an Orlando Magic game on our honeymoon. Oh, my five goodness. years ago. Uh, yeah. Yep. And uh, one of our friends interned and then ended up working for the organization. So, uh, but he's a pastor, great gifted communicator and preacher and uh, pastor shepherd and, um, So we've just had a great—we're going to be celebrating our 25th anniversary in about six months, and um, looking forward to that. So, um, yeah, uh, love it. You've been a great partner in in life and ministry. We both love uh, movies, humor. We laugh a lot. We have a family mission statement to love, laugh, and learn together as we live for God, and that's really guided our life, our marriage, and our parenting as well.
1: Angie, uh, years ago, President Harry Truman said— uh, not all readers will be leaders, but all leaders must be readers. Amen. Uh, uh, do you believe that?
2: Absolutely. I And uh, I think Pastor Rick Warren of Saddleback is, is if you stop learning, you stop leading. And I think reading is one of the main, you know, a, a great way. Podcasts now are a big thing, co- you know, conversations as well. But, yeah, uh, Pastor Truman was absolutely right. We need to continue to learn as leaders, um, and continue to grow. Otherwise, I mean, you're, otherwise you're just you're stuck, and in, in you know you don't have that. You, I think you lose mental and heart flexibility as well if you're not reading and learning.
1: What are you reading these days?
2: Uh, I am reading a, a book called "Managing Leadership Anxiety: Yours and Theirs," and that's by a pastor actually here in Denver, um, based on some of Evan Friedman's concepts of non-anxious presence. Um, before that I just read white fragility found it profoundly um, um, just informative and transformative in light of what's going on in our country right now and so grateful for those voices so I've been reading a lot about uh racial issues and the history of that in our country uh, as that's what we're you know, going through right now. And then, to be honest, I still get most of my news from ESPN.com. Like, if it's big enough on the global scale, that's where I'm a former sports writer, kind of in a previous life. And so really? I still, you know, reading a lot of, yeah, reading a lot of sports stuff as well. And um, excited for the NBA to hopefully get started here, right where you are, actually, down there uh, in Florida.
1: So, Angie, where did you write? Where were your sports writing days?
2: I was actually a, a journalism major originally in college at a small Christian college, played basketball there for a bit. Um, and so I, I was a, a sports writer for my hometown newspaper, the Sheboygan Press in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, just north of sure. Milwaukee. And you might have, you'll appreciate this. In high school, I was a small, small school, so we had our coverage area of that covered us and our conference was Milwaukee. So. I was, in my senior year of high school, I was a Milwaukee Journal Sentinel all-star and went to this banquet with Nikki Van Exel and Latrell Sprewell.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: Yep, i got a program to prove it.
1: (laughs) Angie Ward has been our guest, (laughs) talking about her book, I Am a Leader. We've got more after this right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat
0: Williams Hour in just a moment on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. From Denver, we say out west. Tara
1: Royer Steele is in Texas. The book, Eat, Pie, Love... 52 devotions to satisfy your mind, body, and soul. Tara, welcome, and nice to catch up with you. How are you? I'm
3: good. Thank you for having me.
1: Tell me about that title. Boy, that's a wild one. What's up?
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, I grew up in the pie business, so I had to have pie in the title. And um, pie has brought so many people into my life. But, um, and helped shape my story. I had to write about it.
1: Uh, when you say the pie business, uh, uh, tell us more.
3: Yes. So um, we are in, I live in Brenna, Texas, uh, but we have a pie shop and a cafe that's out in Round Top. This is just a smack dab between Houston and Austin. And our family um, took over about over 30 years ago, and I grew up in it. And that cafe, when we took it over, had two pies. And slowly but surely, the pie is what um, we became known for. And now, of course, we have, like, 20 pies on the menu at all times. And, um, you know, the food's great, but people really just come for the pie and the relationship.
1: Well, that sounds great. Uh, I'd love to uh, come by your place. My goodness. So so we could have... uh, Okey lime pie or we could have a Dutch apple pie or I mean a, a, any one of the yeah. numbers, right?
3: You can and we um, rotate them so every month you don't know there might be a, a surprise, you never know what you're going to get. So we do an apple and it's, but it's called Not My Mom's Apple Pie and it's because my dad made it and gave it to his mom to try and she's like that doesn't taste like mine so he named it Not My Mom's Apple Pie.
1: Tara, tell us about this book and how it came about.
3: Well, um uh, you know everyone meaning customers and friends um in our business kept saying listen you 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 need to write a story you of course, we all have stories, but you need to write a story of um your life of of all the hard things that you've done and how you've come out on the other side and um, and please put recipes in it and <laughs> so uh, then i but I would start with illustrations, little digital downloads that I would get while I was sitting quietly listening to music, or Jesus would whisper something in my ear and I would just start drawing it, and then I would elaborate and write about it, and then I'd try to just squeeze in a slice of pie or a recipe to go along with um the story too
1: well, the first fifty
3: two de- was easy. A yeah. lot easier than writing one for three hundred and sixty five days oh, that seems daunting I, yeah, I,
1: I understand Tara. well, uh, day one is simply called divine circles uh, what's yeah. what's that about?
3: Well, I you know it goes hand in hand with divine appointment, but i I just if I have taken circles and where um, I can go, oh, I met this person sitting at the cafe where I was cooking in the kitchen. 15 years ago, and then that person, two years later, how God can plant a seed so many years um, in advance, planting things that we don't have a clue about. Um, And that's what I'm writing in this specific one, an instance where I met a lady that had a retreat up in Idaho. And four years later, she invited me to come to her retreat. And it was at a time in my life when I needed um, a lot of restoration in my soul, but I had no idea that I needed it. So I went to that, and then, of course, that led to another circle where I'm like, oh, and now this is what I do. I get to sit with people and help them in, in healing and restoration. So divine appointments, divine circles, which just how you could just draw one person then this circle of all the people that you've met along the way that have helped you get to where you're sitting right now.
1: Day two... I mean,
3: how I would be talking to you.
1: <laughs> Good, Tara. Here, tell us about day two, how oh. you hold your words.
3: Mm, that's a, oh, it's such a... Um, if I put um, the words that I'm thinking in my head or my heart, um, that it would most likely not always be pretty. So if I if I wrote those words, um, on my face and my hands and my, and if people saw them as I'm talking to them, you know, would those words be life-giving to them? So I just, when we can shift what we're saying and going in or thinking shift our perspective to not, um, how we then we put that on that person. Uh, I think it, our whole life and our whole words, and how we see people with change is to see what we're thinking about them.
1: Uh, I'm going to jump to day four uh, because sure. I'm eager to have you explain this. Position mm. yourself in the silence. Uh, what's that mean?
3: Oh, um, man, I just actually talked about this the other day with someone. Really? And, and I think that it's um, all about positioning yourself wherever God's got you and it goes back to the words that we think in our heart and our mind and how quickly in the silence because that's what the enemy loves to work in the silence and he'll he can get you real quick and so if we can position ourselves with the weapons to guard our and and fight those um words that are always going like a a goal b- over and over in your head, the movie scene that you have, position yourself in the silence to fight off what the enemy's throwing at you, and making up stories. I—that's what this one's about. I was, my son was on the baseball mound, and I could see his frustration out there. And he, um, I of course, he wasn't having a he was having an off day, and I just looked at other parents and i started making up stories about what they were thinking about my son and i had no idea if they were thinking those things so i had to switch the narrative in my head very quickly so that i could be like lord please be with him out there please be with us here in the stands and let him know that it's okay if he doesn't get all strikes it's okay if the other team team scores six runs on him it's okay Um, And so that's what I was really talking about in this, about positioning ourselves in the silence and um, how the enemy, you know, can easily pit us against each other.
1: Tara, I want to um, break away and ask a pie question. Oh, yeah. What is sweet and salty pie? What's (laughs) that mean?
3: It's, um, well, I blame, I blame like 10 pounds for it, but, um. It is like a dense, fudgy brownie with caramel and sea salt. Oh, my. And, and a pie crust. And it started out as a cookie. And then we're like, oh, hey, these cookies are so good. We should just throw them in pie crust because, I mean, it can only get better, right?
1: <laughs> Sweet and salty pie. I'll remember that.
3: Mm-hmm. No. Yes. And, I mean, we can ship that to you, so you could have it.
1: Oh, Tara, you're so kind. So kind. <laughs> Now, let's let's go back. Uh, let me pick up on day five.
3: Mm, Peace, peacekeeper.
1: Peacekeeper versus peacemaker. What's, what's that
3: mean? Mm, I don't I, – until I really sat and started thinking about it and was like, oh, I just kind of thought they were the same thing. And then I realized, oh, man, for so many years of my life I was a peacekeeper trying to make everyone happy and putting a Band-Aid on everything, um, being in a family business. Restaurant. everyone has their ideas their thoughts their dreams so we're all in this together but everyone's still like but wait my idea is way better and so i would of course do whatever i could to uh be that family member that was like fix this person put out this fire put out this fire but you know we were just putting out the blame. We we weren't going to the root of the problem <laughs> We weren't looking at, well, what are we putting in the fire? Um, so eventually, it took me a long time, and it goes back to that first divine appointment circle where I got to go to camp, where I a soul restoration and um, just learning the difference between a keeper and a maker. Being a peacemaker is not easy um, because that means you've got to get in and do the hard work and find the root of the problem with lots of grace. And a lot of truth and walking the line with 100 percent grace and 100 percent truth is probably one of the hardest learned things to do. <laughs> mm.
1: My guest, Tara Royer Steele, she's in Texas. Uh, her book, um, what's well, a devotional, 52 devotions, uh, Eat, Pie, Love. OK, um, be the hands and feet of Jesus. We've jumped to day eight. Uh, I want to hear about this one.
3: Oh, well, I think that being the hands and the feet of Jesus, um, doesn't have to be big. I think a lot of us at times are like, well, I don't have anything to give or I don't have anything to offer, but God gifted you with many, many things. So, um, to giving someone such, um, something as simple as a glass of water is, The hands and feet of Jesus, and you know, it doesn't. um, It doesn't take a lot to just meet people exactly where they're where they are in their walk. But what we have to do is stop for a second and be quiet and listen and watch and see, like, oh, this person is really needing this right now. And so it can it can be as simple as a smile, a text message. You know, I'm, I think being the hands and feet of Jesus is like when someone when when someone pops in your mind or lays on your heart. I'm like, that is straight up from Jesus, and he's um it's just a gentle reminder, like, hey, this person needs a little love today. Could you just call them or text them? And it and it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It could just be like, hey, I just want you to know I love you and I see you today, and God sees you, and um so I just think that we don't, let's make things more simple. We, we overcomplicate things so much. And, and Jesus doesn't do that. He just says, come sit with me. So that's the hands and Peter of Jesus. And you don't have to have anything to say. You can just sit in silence.
1: Uh, Tara, before we move uh, to day nine, I've got a question for you. Sure. What is hee-haw pie?
3: <laughs> well, hee-haw. I mean, we're in Texas, so a lot of the times, well, I have a, we have a, I have a very close friend and she would say, you know, she's, instead of cussing, she'd say, what in the hee haw? And so, <laughs> um, eventually we made this pie that was bacon, eggs, sausage, jalapeno, cheddar, and a, and an herb crust. And so we were just like, oh my gosh, what in the hee haw? So it became the hee haw. <laughs>
1: It's great for
3: breakfast or lunch or a snack or dinner or whenever you need it.
1: Tara, you you seem to be very liberal with jalapeno. Uh, oh,
3: I know. Are oh, y'all not that way in Florida?
1: Well, I I I <laughs> I, I can't handle that. You know that just b- b- burns my mouth out. So I can't do it. But uh,
3: I can make you one without jalapeno. Okay,
1: all right. I, I feel better.
3: Yeah, now. I got I got it. I got it.
1: Now t- tell me about harsh. Mm. And gentle teacher, uh, what what what's the story here?
3: Well, um, <laughs> it would be funny if I told you that I. There are times that my husband is um, a harsh teacher to me, mm. and uh, pe- I've had people be like, "Wait, your husband's a harsh teacher?" I was like, "Yeah, but not in a bad way. In a good way, he's holding me accountable for things that." Um, And shifting my perspective where I'm like, oh, yeah. And, of course, we need to have gentle teachers, too. Those that just, you know, come alongside you and teach you things and walk things out in grace. And and I'm that girl. I'm the grace person. And it gets me in trouble a lot of times. And then my husband is the truth 100%, you know, he's a truth person. And that hurts sometimes. And so being... um, that's where that whole harsh and gentle teacher thing comes in. And Jesus is that way with us. Um, he's very gentle with us. And, and then there's 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 hard stuff that we have to do. And he told me he just wants us to be his best. And um, I'm not sure I like, I guess I like the gentle teacher better, though. <laughs> I was like, can I just have gentle teaching? I don't want any harsh. I'm good, thanks.
1: My guest uh, is Tara Royer-Steele. Uh, We've got to take a break, and then we're back. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, and it's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Stay with us.
0: More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5 the word at burn fat orlando we're open to help you lose up to
1: 30 to 40 pounds in 40 days helping you build a strong immune system especially in these crazy times when you need a most. the center for disease control states those at greatest risk are overweight diabetic and or have high blood pressure with our step on the scale money back guarantee
0: you'll drop the pound you're listening to the pat williams power hour on the new am 990 and fm 101.5 the word now here's pat my guest is Tara Royer-Steele here on the Pat
1: Williams Saturday Power Hour. Tara's book is called Eat, Pie, Love. And speaking of pie, I've got another pie question, Tara. Okay, what, uh,
3: ready.
1: T- tell me about blueberry lemon pie.
3: Well, it's, this pie has evolved. Um, <laughs> kind of like I say, it's just grown and gotten better and better. Um, first, it was just just the blueberries with a lattice topping and then we were like well that doesn't get you really excited and be like oh my gosh I have to have that we added lemon and cream cheese in the middle
1: oh my oh my
3: yes and then we added a granola topping so brown sugar and butter and oats and cinnamon so it's pretty much I mean it has the it has all the flavors, and I don't. I'm not a one to go. Give me the blueberry pie, or give me the lemon, but that one together, I'll be like, okay, I'll eat that.
1: Uh, it sounds pretty heavy with calories, but but
3: oh, it, it'll be all right. Every once in a while, we don't need to eat it all the time. Okay. Just a
1: little bit. Okay, now uh, Tara, <laughs> I want to go back because I'm interested in day twelve. Uh, okay, you call it the intersection of love so uh, what what's that mean
3: well um the intersection of love would be the commandment to love your God with all your heart soul and mind and which is then what we're supposed to do with our friends and our family and um, so then the commission of is all about pouring your heart and your soul and your mind out to make disciples, so if we could sit at that intersection of both of those together, which is hard to do. I mean, obviously, we're human and we mess up. We have tra- we have car wrecks in the middle of the intersection. Um, but if we can sit at that intersection of just loving people and uh, then creating, building relationships with others and creating disciples, then we we've, we've done what we're called to do.
1: Tara, let's um let's go ahead now uh to um day 16. There're 52 days by the way, folks. Day right. 16 uh God's healing balm. Oh. What what does that mean?
3: Well, um it's really it it comes down to grace. Um we have I guess you could take if you look at your heart, um You know, I was talking also way back about putting just a a Band-Aid on things. And there's so many of us that have, we have triggers of, say, we just bump up against each other. And you're like, there's no reason why. I have no idea why um, you just started crying or yelling at me. But obviously, I triggered you from something. And, um, but slowly but surely, as we begin to... um, heal those wounds, those deep wounds with the love of God, which I also believe is such a hard thing for people to know or understand because they've never truly experienced what love is. Um, but I'll take this back to my marriage. My first, I was previously married and it was not a good relationship. And I had many triggers. And those re- triggers, then I put on my husband, Rick. And of course he wasn't doing, he wasn't doing anything. He wasn't doing anything wrong. Um, if it it would, my previous husband was an alcoholic. And so Mm. I would see my husband now drink and I, and I'm like, he's holding a beer and he's having one, but I would go straight back to what it was like many years ago. So those, those triggers were there and I had not done the work to clean all of that out. But then slowly, but surely God's like, listen, he is, I brought him here for you. He is a gift from me and, and you need to be able to trust him. And so that's God, he, that healing balm that he can send through other people and, um, writing a new song in our life and our journey in our heart.
1: Day 17, hurtful words, uh, fill us in. Oh,
3: hurtful words. Um, Speaking, speaking truth over myself, Um, which um, I can look in the mirror and immediately I start speaking hurtful words to me, Um, and then other times, and I but I'm not meaning to do it. And then sometimes people have spoken like my child this morning said hurtful things to me. He was angry when he said those things, and fortunately, I've. Can not take them on and know that. Listen, he's. If I can stop and go, okay, he's struggling right now and he's not meaning those things to me. So I need to get. It's not about me right now. I need to go sit with him and help him work through these words that he's saying. But then help him and after I've done the work too, I'm. It it helps me to be able to sit with him and work these things out. But if I can sit with him and go, hey. Listen, these words that you're speaking are not good for you, and they're not good for other people. Um, because for one, I don't want him to grow up thinking, you know, I don't. I want to break those chains wherever that chain started of, of speaking that way. Um, so it's and it's a really speaking of children. It's a very hard one to navigate because. For one, I don't speak to my kids this way, so I don't know where that shift came from. Mm. So, um, I just meeting him exactly where he's at and, um, doing whatever I can to speak truth and healing over him so that he knows for future and can grow and his heart can just pour out helpful words speaking on other people and for himself.
1: Tara Royer-Steele, she's our guest, talking about her devotional book. And uh, day 24 is intriguing. Mm. Jesus isn't a marketing tool. Oh. <laughs> uh, what, uh, what what uh, What's the story here?
3: Well, first off, someone called me a tool, and I was like, wait. Um, I don't think that that's a nice thing to be called. But if we um, change the idea of you know what kind of utensil you are for the kingdom of God like are you a knife chopping away at life and people go straight back to the words that we speak over each other right all of these are going hand in hand or are you like a spoon and you're just pouring and heaping on goodness um, for others and of course if you you gotta pour it on you first pour on that goodness so you can go out and love people love you so you can go love people and then, you know, are you, let's keep using a spoon. Are you, are you cleaning that spoon? Are you doing all the things that you need to do to purify that tool so that you can go out and do it again when you wake up in the morning, um, and have rested? And it was funny because someone told me, you know, hey, I, that I used, um, things in my life as Jesus as a marketing tool. And I was like, um, no, I just that's I I'm sad that you see it that way, but I just want everyone to know about Jesus. And I I I'd like them to go with me to heaven because hey, I don't want to miss out, so I sure as heck don't want you to miss out.
1: We've got time for one more, Tara. And it's Okay. It's gonna be day thirty three. Day thirty three. And it's called Crush that one? Crushing and Pruning. Ooh, oh, that that's a hard one. That sounds that's harsh. Hard but <laughs> So fill us in. It is
3: harsh, crushing and pruning. Um, I feel like the last uh, three months might have been a lot of crushing and pruning, right?
1: Oh, yes, yes.
3: (laughs) Um, Let me just speak from this past few months, I guess, because speaking from my life experience is the only way that I could share. Um, I, of course, did not think um, that this is what life is going to look at right now. I thought, I'm like, oh, well, we'd be touring the country, you know, selling books and having book launches. And then guys reminded me what my word for the year was. And I was like, I don't like that word. And it's refine And I'm like, this year has been a lot of refining and crushing and pruning my, it's, it's me. It's all about less me and more him. And it's very easy to be Speaking for myself. It's easy for me to be very selfish daily. Um, So to lay down myself and pick up what he wants me to do uh, goes back to not so hard. But man, when we're rooted deep and the roots are deep in him, the the things that we cut off of our tree, the branches that grow and the leaves that grow, man, it can be just a beautiful tree full of um, shade, um, a, a place of swinging in a tree, uh, the wind blowing up against your face.
1: That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, Tara Royer-Steele. We've had a good half hour with her. Uh, we've got a wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to the new AM 990
0: and FM 101.5 The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. As the will of the students goes, so goes the will of the nation. This is the central theme of the new movie, Return to the Hiding Place, a film about Corey Ten Boom and her family's heroic efforts to hide and save Jews from the Nazis during World War II and about her secret army of teenagers. Watch this captivating movie tonight with your older children at SalemNow.com and save 20% with the promo code Orlando. Return to the Hiding Place at SalemNow.com and promo code You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Thanks for joining us,
1: folks, here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. In that first segment, Angie Ward was with us from Denver, uh, talking about her book, I Am a Leader. And then we went to Texas, and there was Tara Royer-Steele talking about her book, Eat, Pie, Love, 52 Devotions, and we got some cooking lessons as well. Uh, I want you to check out one of my more recent books. It's called Character Carved in Stone, and it's about an experience I had at West Point uh, a few years back, and uh, I think you'll really, uh, really be pleased with the book. Uh, Ravel put it out. Uh, Coach K at Duke wrote The foreword. a West Point grad, So uh, check it out, Character Carved in Steel. We're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. And stay tuned all day long to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time, where faith comes by hearing. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word.